You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, David Hall. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, Donnie Spiker. Good afternoon, fellas. Good to be back. Welcome. Justin Pearson. Hey. Hey, hey. And Mackenzie Stevens. How's it going? On the show today, we will review the thrilling finish of the Wendy's Biggie Bag 500 Coke Series race at Talladega. We'll ask if Gen 4 NASCAR is the real NASCAR. Which real-world NASCAR driver used iRacing to improve his performance at Martinsville? And we'll see what are the best ways to keep your FPS from dropping in the sim. And remember, you can follow along with us on your PC or mobile device in real time as you listen to the show and see for yourself all the great topics and products we'll discuss by visiting iRacersLounge.com and selecting show notes. Hope to see you there. back-to-back coke weeks uh, and this week it was at talladega mike talladega and i think the big thing was a new title sponsor for the race uh as i just mentioned the b-bag 500 was sponsored by wendy's and they had a some good marketing where all the drivers were uh sent out to buy Wendy's uh biggie bag and then they would post it to social media before the race uh, what they got for their dinner. Uh, they talked about it on the show, like the people on the show that they also had Wendy's. And so they really, uh, applied the marketing real well. And it was interesting to see, you know, all the different teams and drivers come out, try to, you know, support the new sponsor. So that was cool. The other thing was, this is the first fixed Coke race ever fixed. Um, and so that presented some new people up front, uh, when we, you know, the, some others that we wouldn't usually see. I guess for tapered, I guess for tapered spacer racing, uh, fix isn't, I guess, the worst thing. So I guess a good place to try it out if that's what they want to do. I think it's perfect. This, uh, you know, the restrictor plate kind of track, you know, everyone's on top of each other anyway. So yeah, put them in the same set. But I think it is too, is the, it, it, it'll uh, free up some of the, time spent you know we talk about how much uh time is spent in this series from the all the people on the back end working on sets constantly and so to give these guys a break especially when it's a back-to-back you, you realize these guys usually go every two weeks but this one was a back-to-back a week-to-week race so uh tied in with the scheduling and all that i think it makes double sense now do they have plans in the coming weeks to go fixed do we know I think I heard there was going to be three or four. I don't know which track. So, so we're not going to do the regular race review, but I did watch it. Um, Casey Kerwin ended up as the winner. It looked like it was going to be Malik Ray collecting his first win. He was leading uh, the final laps there. Uh, but you know how it goes when 
it's Talladega and it's the last lap. Um, you know, if, if Malik, you know, where the start finish line is not in the middle, like if it would have been in the middle, Malik might've been the winner, <laughs> but he had to go that extra, you know, two, 300 yards to where the finish line actually is. And by then, uh, everyone had wrecked, including him. And, uh, and of course, um, you know, the winner just snuck right through there. It, we have a great video on the script here that shows, uh, his replay, uh, of him winning the race as he, you know, mit dodges and weaves there at the coming to the checkered flag. Pretty cool video. So I, I was able to watch the end of that, uh, this race as well, Mike, and watching it. And then they show the K uh, Casey Kerwin celebrating it in his cockpit. And I was just like, why? And then I didn't realize it was him crossing the finish line in first, but, uh, he just came out of nowhere, like you said, and, and won the race. And I think all of us were, you know, this feeling that heartbreak for Malik. I mean, nobody has won more fixed races in NASCAR in iRacing than Malik. I don't think there's anyone that has won more, but he has not been able to put it together in the Coke series yet. And I thought for sure this was it. Okay. The first fixed set, you know, race ever Malik is the man. And it was so uh, hard to watch his interview after the race where when they asked him, what would you do different, you know, kind of thing. And, and, you know, that is such a hard question when you're leading at the last, uh, on the final, you're pretty much a sitting duck. It's kind of funny in the, in Casey Curran's video there, you can hear him and his spotter talking and the spotter says that they're out of it unless they wreck. And then everyone ends up wrecking and he ends up winning it. Mike, you just said something, but we didn't hear it. Sorry, wrong button. Uh, I was just saying, yeah, I mean, he was too far back, you know, to be really in contention there unless they actually wrecked. And, of course, they did. All right, well, where do they go next? I don't even know, but it's two weeks out, I believe. All right, well, that'll wrap our brief uh, Coke report then. We'll move on into some of the other news. We've got the uh, Season 2 Patch 4 release notes, and this one is very, very sparse. This was a quick patch this morning or yesterday morning, right? Not a whole lot yeah. to it. A little fix some ASU issues with AI and graphics and controls. And then a couple of little things with cars, but mainly they made some changes to the Mercedes AMG GT4. Yeah, I just bought that car. So I'm curious what, and I only raced one race with it. So I'm curious what the, the differences will be. I felt the ABS system driving it. So I'm curious uh, what's improved on it. And, uh, a second link for the other release for the beta UI. And it, they say they fixed some of the results and stats uh, to give a refresh now when you get the fail to fetch, which happens to me roughly 50% of the time. Um, and you still can't see what, what position you are in by division. I can't believe they can't fix that. They put more lipstick on it today. I noticed when the update came out that uh, it looks slightly different little shading around the icons for whatever reason. Oh, they keep hammering on it. There's a, f a lot of other little things here they've adjusted. Uh, like for example, license colors and large profile licenses have received a visual update, as Donnie said. It's much better than lipstick, I guess. I'm sorry. There's an interesting thing note on here about a pop-up warning that comes if you increase your graphics memory slider into the danger zone. Or it's been updated, at least. That's nice, I guess. I haven't had that happen yet. Have you guys ever had a have a pop up? I don't. I don't I thought a I don't, slider you change. 
I don't know that it will pop up unless you don't have enough memory to begin with, maybe because I've never seen it. Um, I haven't messed with the memory slider though since since the update because I guess I hadn't I haven't remembered to. Well, the the memory slider is dependent on your equipment, and so you should only touch it every time you change equipment when you change uh, graphics card and RAM. So, like when you build a new computer. That's when you should go in and adjust the sliders to whatever your equipment is. So basically, will your computer like auto set it up where it should be then? When you yeah, so here's the deal: you should just do auto config. I mean, let the iRacing config it for you, and it'll be right. All right, McKenzie, uh, tell us about the Pro Driver that was using iRacing. Yeah, so uh, Josh Wise put out a tweet here. He said one year ago this week, he was on the phone with Kyle Larson. He just finished practice at Martinsville and didn't feel great about what he had. He was on his way home to try to run some iRacing and test some techniques techniques they were seeing in the data. So yeah, Kyle Larson used iRacing for Martinsville, which that's actually pretty cool. Yeah. Go ahead. Do any of you guys see him on the service at all? Have you guys ever ran into him since he's been back? No. I wonder if he runs under a different name. You think his son probably wants to run too. So now there's a thread from Josh Weiss. It's not just the one tweet. And and so some of the other things he says here, Josh Weiss is like a coach or something, right? So he says the next day, referring to that Martinsville race uh, long ago, when we spoke, we had run over 500 laps on iRacing and had cut snips of his data and had a game plan. So since 2017, I've watched him push himself to learn at a track that he hasn't felt comfortable at. The most notable part of it is it has remained the track that he's put the most work into. So I think it's pretty cool. I mean, to win that race after, you know, losing it so many times and and then putting in the work on iRacing and like, you know, hey, we can pick up time doing this and this segment or whatever they work on you know him and josh on iRacing he was able to figure it out i was just looking it up and i'm guessing he does use another name because in 2020 he got uh he got banned yep i remember that <laughs> so unless they unbanned him then he's probably using a different name or he's i think they did I think stories like I love hearing stories like this. I think it's real good for the sim. You know, it gives a real good look for eye racing, especially. Especially against uh, the critics who say, "Oh, the tire model's broken. There's no diamond It doesn't race like the real car." Blah blah blah. It, it's hard for me to listen to. It's hard for me to listen to people who say it doesn't race like the real car unless they've been in the real car. So I take it for what it's worth. But. You know, you think about how busy a guy like Kyle Larson is and the travel he puts in week in, week out. What's convenient for him and Josh to figure out Martinsville while he's on the road? I mean, it's not convenient to go to the Charlotte, you know, Chevy simulator in Charlotte. You know, it's convenient to use iRacing. And so that's the tool they chose to use to get him, you know, the speed he needs on that particular track. And it's awesome that it worked. Well, let's, let's, speaking of all things not iRacing, let's move on to the dumpster part, fire part uh, 7453. It just keeps coming, but unfortunately, I don't think it's the end. But maybe it's the beginning of the end, we're hoping. What do you think, Donnie? 
I mean, it's starting to look that way. But uh, Mike Shaw, or Mike Straw, sorry, uh, he put out a tweet this week um, that NASCAR Motorsports Games had had meetings regarding the lack of console games released, followed by a similar story in the Daily Downforce. This, the news broke of the stepping down of their CEO, Dimitri Cosco. But Mike uh, Straw does have a follow-up tweet later on saying that he heard from NASCAR directly, indicating that they've had no such meetings. So... Uh, whatever his sources are saying aren't aren't jiving with uh, actually NASCAR um, reaching out to him personally. But yeah, the CEO of Motorsports Games has stepped down, and they've uh, they've resurrected their old one, I guess. Still on the board. Um, let me correct a couple things. Donnie said I think the initial report from Mike Straw was NASCAR had internal meetings about the state of the video games. It wasn't a meeting with. Uh, motorsports games yes but uh they denied that uh, you know when when asked directly that they were having internal meetings now word on the street is this this hubbub about nascar talking about it might have led to what happened later in the week which is the ceo is gone i mean it goes hand in hand with within a few days so. It does. And so I'm just putting two and two together, of course, because we've been following this for some time. But uh, it could be unrelated. But, of course, uh, there's a separate story later in the week where he did step down, and uh, we'll see how they do. But it, it's really strange that they're just bringing the same guy that, that left because he didn't agree with the direction of the, of the company. Like it's not even a real company. <laughs> it is pretty Same. crazy. It's... uh. I would just like to know when NASCAR made this deal and maybe even IndyCar, whenever they did, like, did they vet this company at all? What were the, what was this company making prior to NASCAR and IndyCar signing on with them? What did they release that was such a, so spectacular that they decided to sign with them? It must've been a deal. It must've been some kind of monetary value that they saw. Well, Mac, um, moving back over to the iRacing world. Um, what do you think about the gen four at Daytona? Yeah, this is a post on Facebook. And um, it's a Gen 4 race at Daytona, and they got like three lines of three wide, and I don't know how many laps they go for like that, but it's just some good, clean racing, and that's awesome to see. I know that would never happen in my splits. I was talking to Donnie about this today. Um, at some tracks, the Gen 4 just shines, and this is one of them, is old Daytona. I mean... When I got in this race and we grid up and I'm looking around, I, I, I key up on, I'm like, EA Sports, it's in the game. Because that's what it reminds me of. It is true old school NASCAR. Uh, and the dry, and it drives like it too. I mean, three wide, you're hanging on for dear life. The bumps are just crazy. The force feedback is insane. I was running at 100% just to be nuts and I had a blast at uh, Gen 4 at Daytona. Now, when we went to California, I hated it. Yeah, you know, I was trying to remember back on Daytona. It's only a week ago. But I, I finished P9 here, and I remember not liking something about it. And it was the damn bumps because I remember thinking, like, I cannot recall watching a race from Daytona 20 years ago and it looking like you're baja through the Sahara Desert. Like, it was – like, Mike, was, Mike showed a video uh, in the group chat with his uh, force feedback. Like, I, it was – it was pretty damn brutal. And I was thinking, how the hell, if this was real, like, were they even able to focus with their head bobbing around and 
maybe getting concussed just driving the dang car. It was it was pretty rough, but fun at the same time. Now, Auto Club, Mike, we were only getting 202 maybe in draft, hitting 201, where the Gen 6 was getting up to 212, I believe. So uh, I'm curious. I would like to really know what vehicle we're driving. Um, part of me thinks it's a fantasy car. I don't think it was. this is a real iteration of any car we were driving, or they were driving 20 years ago. NASCAR really doesn't like for them to get over 200 because that's when they start to turn into wings. Yeah, I just remember being in person early 2010s, maybe the uh, early Gen 6 era, and just watching the scoreboard at Fontana and watching them go in at 210. And it was crazy. Even watching them come down the straightaway and they would go in for a pass. And uh, I don't know, it was pretty fantastic. But uh, Gen 4 has been fun so far. I just find something odd about it and I haven't put my uh, finger on it yet. Well, you know, maybe that's why I was wondering, why isn't this more popular? I just thought that this thing was going to take off, I mean, and be super popular, but it just isn't. you got the same group of people running it every week that are committed like me. Like, I'm committed to run it once a week, at least, um, if not more. And so, and I think there's a lot of people, there's a big group of people that do that same thing, but... I thought the casual people would race it too. Like on our team, it's just me and Donnie. Nobody else is touching this car. The casual's not going to be able to drive it, to be honest. Even Fontana was kind of loose, but I mean, Charlotte was a nightmare if you didn't like the car. I mean, I could, but I don't really have the bandwidth uh, as far as time goes because when I'm not focused on getting the A car ready, uh, I'd rather go run a sports car for look for for a train for a diversion, I guess. Do you think it maybe has anything to do with it being a fixed race and people just don't want to do Absolutely. fixed racing? I wish I, this was open. That's some of it, and there there is just the case that I mean, a lot of your your average Joes are going to want to run what the big boys run. Now remember, this whole season was just an experiment to see you know what the interest is and what they're going to do next and you know are they going to change it to fixed and open to offset each other and you know or is or to keep it like it is I, I think that's all unknown right now but they're probably looking at participation numbers and going to make some decisions about it yeah you're right mike and i, I thought this would be a placeholder for when they do release the real uh gen 4 but looking at the participation it is a little low I mean, you're getting two to three splits a session. Um, nothing spectacular. Nothing for them to go back and think like, oh, man, we need to hammer out something perfect. I hope they work on it. I hope they don't just you know, leave this be, this car be. Uh, let's, let's get the right car scanned and, and let's you know, get the right physics under it. I, like Donnie said, it, it's probably close, but it's not right. Well, one thing I can tell you why participation is always down at Martinsville is because of the stats that this next guy posted, right? So Blaze Crawford, he posted that there's some, he basically posted his results of the uh, race summary from his caution and from his race. And it's similar to the one I saw. I think we had 25 cautions. He had 26 cautions for 131 out of 200 laps. And you know that it's, that was just what it was all week. Until Sunday, I mean, we finally had some green flag run Sunday, and it actually kind of bit me because I got caught on old tires. I don't yeah. think I, I don't think I had a race under a hundred lap cautions. Yeah, my Sunday race oh. is very similar to these numbers, but I mean, it's not a hard track. It, it really isn't. Um, 
and you were watching some of the incidents after the racing. I don't know, something. I don't know. Martinsville should be a fun race to race, but we just, for some reason, we can't, we can't do it. 66% of the laps were run under yellow for this 131 laps. That's, that's crazy. I mean, I think in previous years, it's been right around 50% from memory, but man, what is it? it there is a big increase there. And it's all different types of incidents. It wasn't just, you know, people piling into each other. It was that. It was um, maybe self-spinning off the corner. I saw self-spinning into the corner and then right hooking in the middle of the wall. I I don't know how that one happened, but, um, but I mean, you could get loose there, which was nice. I've even seen them down the straight spin. I don't know how. Yeah, towards the end of the, the, the straight into the corner, and I, I was always scratching my head at that one. It has to do with the fact that you're not driving a symmetrical car, right? So you spin the yeah. tires, it's it's not going to behave correctly, period. I'll uh, admit at least one caution on Martinsville week was me self-spinning coming up off of four. Yeah, off the corner, you can see that happening quite a bit. And you can kind of understand that that's just old school. Well, I guess I can't call it old school. People get mad. But, I mean, you'd spin the, the tires coming off Martinsville. This this next guy I bet doesn't spin his tires as much as probably most of us do, does he, Justin? Uh, no, uh, racer Tony Conan has put in his mark in sim racing equipment at Micro Center stores, and he tweeted, "Looking for a good time, Tony Conan Micro Center store in Cambridge." Uh, I forget where Cambridge is at. Massachusetts. That's where iRacing is. Oh, copy. Yeah, our one down here in Orange County, uh, Southern California, that has a bunch of Tony Kanan um, product. I remember um, sitting on their rig when I bought the SimiCube from them, and it was green and yellow, and I'm like, gosh, this is uh, not the best looking. <laughs> and I didn't realize it was Tony Kanan setup. And then they had the Tony Kanan wheels and, and all his different uh, paraphernalia. I know they just released, Micro Center just released news. They're opening one up in uh indianapolis i think here this summer actually so i'm kind of excited about that it's two hours away um donnie give us a quick list of what kind of brands you can buy you know at at uh, micro center um obviously you could buy the the big brands well big brands is in big companies like thrustmaster and logitech and uh, simiacube simlab you could buy a lot of simlab equipment uh fanatec as well from what I, my memory but i'm not thinking anything else similar this was a year ago or about eight months gomez. ago about the wheel yeah obviously gomez yes gomez and they have a gomez canon wheel there as well um but nothing like asa tech that i can remember nothing moza uh from memory yeah when i bought my SimiCube 2 pro wheel i bought it from micro center and just had it shipped um and that worked out great because you know local Shipping, you know, not shipping it overseas and all that. We yeah, we don't have one of these stores around me, so it's it's kind of like crazy to, to think one. that you guys don't have one in the Phoenix area at all. Nope. Yeah, because our only one was that one in Tustin, I believe, in Orange County, and I mean, all of Southern California. So it's kind of well, odd. I'm going to digress a little bit. There was a Facebook post this week. A guy was a little myth that. How do you buy sim racing equipment without trying it out first? Like he contacted some sim racing company and 
he was expecting to show up and have a demonstration and be able to try it before you buy it. And they basically told him no. Um, what do you guys think about that? I mean, I think it's just the nature of the industry. It's just so boutique and unique and small that, you know, demo is not part of it. Yeah. You got to do your research. Where are you going to show up? If I want to buy a, a Gomez wheel, am I going to fly out to Dallas and demand I, I get in their lobby and try all their wheels? It is, it is what it is. I mean, I have to, you know, do my research and homework and hope I'm buying a good wheel. Yeah. Not all of us get to live right next to Lawrence. That's a little different, but I mean, no, you can, you can go test out a Logitech at Best Buy. I mean, if you're looking for Logitech, go, go, go ahead. Well, we have seen a prolific, uh, these shops opening where you can go and rent a sim rig and, you know, like the sim racing Chicago. In fact, we didn't mention it, but Matt Busa during the Coke race this week, he actually went to sim racing Chicago and raced on for the first time in his life on triples with a motion rig, um, Matt Busa. And he was looking like he was in heaven there. He posted up on social media, some of the pictures and stuff. But you could go somewhere like that and just kind of give it a, a try, I guess, to see if you like it. But is that going to help you choose between, you know, oh, I'm going to pick, you know, this wheelbase or that wheelbase? Probably not. I don't know. So I got a question for you two, Mike and David, that have been around forever. So since I came along with the COVID boom, you guys obviously noticed a a sharp increase in, in this industry's uh, participation or, or whatnot. Do you still see that? Is it going up in your guys' mind? I kind of see it going from when I started. Things are still coming out new. The thing, uh, the industry seems to be on a rise. But um, have you guys experienced this at all in the, the time you guys did it, other than the last couple of years? Well, it's, it's definitely, you know, you saw the subscriber boom. Uh, and it, I think it's plateaued. I don't think they're really severely declining. Um, Definitely, it's going to drop some with as as people can get back to living their regular lives. Uh, but what's really happening now is a, a lot of hardware companies are chasing the money, uh, are chasing the boom. And so, yeah, there's been a huge explosion of diversity, I guess, basically in the. They're in just the a year or two market. behind it. Yeah. <laughs> That's all. Well, they came along with us with the with the COVID boom. They uh, they're like, oh, we can jump in and try to make quick cash because that, like Dave was saying, as this plateaus and becomes steady throughout the years, which it probably will. I mean, we'll maybe see some small increases here and there. But um, what do these big companies do that jumped in, like an Asa Tech or or Moza? Um, I'm just curious how how it outlasts. Well, I mean, I think it's going to be flat and or not flat but a gradual increase but not the increase they've seen over the last two years so you're right i think they're going to be set up for disappointment uh if they think the uh it's going to exponentially keep going i don't think it is here's something i hear a lot is the racing worse now pre-covid or now compared to pre-covid okay i hear that a lot i'm just curious no i've had good and bad races all the way back but i mean i've also Pre-COVID, I was not a top, really in the top split. It was around COVID that I started working up into the top split area. Um, but no, I can remember terrible races five, six, seven years ago, where people just even even with the old car, when you could actually get separated, people still would just show no patience and race like it's lap one, is lap a hundred. Um, so that that never go that never has gone away. 
All right, next up, we have a uh, developer update that we can all kind of pitch in a little on. Um, it's basically described by Stafford Tony Gardner as a refresh, and he kind of classifies that as halfway between a update and, a, and an overhaul. Yeah, it looks like with tracks, they updated uh, the water content of the soil, resulting in a greater difference in soil strength between fresh and dry. So that's... I wonder if they're learning anything from developing the rain, and now they could uh, help it out with the with the dirt side as well, getting the track stamp and whatnot. That has to be feeding some information over over into the other world. Um, they've done a basically a big refresh on the dirt oval side. You mentioned the the water. They've they've added water variation scaling, which has more to do with how the water might behave when it's sprayed on by a truck which makes me wonder if they could they could actually do something about uh bristol dirt where because that one actually gets maintained between stages or cautions um unlike your average local dirt track but might that, be a moot point yeah i was that was where i was going it may be a moot point because hopefully bristol dirt's going away the, the so vehicles that, um they did every oval car that races on dirt was tuned either through tires physics or both and I think I also watched a video on YouTube. Someone said that there, there's actually going to be tire wear and dirt racing after this update. So you got to do tire management. That'd be nice. Yeah, I don't think they've ever had tire wear. Would that tire help us slow folks? Tire wear would have changed Bristol dirt big time. So, except, except it ran just like Martinsville did, and there was two lap runs. Fair enough. So damage model is added to all the different late models. Uh, turn off the virtual mirror. This is big. They've been, there's been dirt racers screaming for this ever since dirt came out. Dude, you're not supposed to have mirrors in dirt. Also, this is quoted or stated inside the, the release. We are also making significant progress on our new weather system along with rain and are still hoping to release these features later this year. So interesting. So they'll possibly incorporate rain into the the track surface, dirt side, I should say. Yeah, and they have, and they have also been working. They're not as far along, but they're they're working a lot of these same improvements on the oval side, including getting a dynamic track really back into into the works. I noticed uh, I saw something today about Kern County Raceway, but they put something in here with the release of Kern County later. They're going to have both the dirt and the oval. Uh, the asphalt oval, dirt oval and asphalt oval, and the iRacing will release, uh, will include them both. So you're, I'm assuming, now, but the way I read this, it's kind of confusing. Do you get both when you buy one, or is iRacing going to release both? Well, Bristol comes with the dirt version. But it's two different tracks. It's not, it's not dirt on top of the asphalt. That huh. probably would be two tracks then. Okay. I don't know if they had a dirt oval, to be honest. I feel ashamed. Think, think about... Um... Doesn't Charlotte have a a dirt oval that's sold separately? Sold separately, yep. Now, there's other tracks they're working on. They mentioned um, they're going to Italy to scan Misano as well as Mugello. Is that how you say that? Mugello? Mugello. That's Mugello. That's the Ferrari track, right? Factory track? That's pretty cool. They're also looking at adding AI. They have AI in the works for dirt oval. So pretty cool. I mean, rain is coming. He, he mentions, you know, this year, but it's not June. So no more panicking in the summer when 
you know, we might think we're going to get rain. So they definitely said it. Oh, if we get a screenshot of a windshield wiper, Mike swears up and down they're releasing rain next week in the chat. Let's go. Doesn't, he? doesn't he? Let's go. Anyway, nice communication from Tony Gardner again about what's going on, what's working on, what's in the pipeline. Um, lots of good stuff. All right. Next up, we have a little YouTube clip of it looks like I don't know if this was actually the 12 hours of Sebring or a league race, but we have James Baldwin pay, passing F1 driver Max Verstappen in a tight LMP race. Um, and this was on on a broadcast as well. And it was a pretty exciting pass. And you can you see a little grin on him at, on his face as he, he just passed Max Verstappen. He he get this into turn one. It happens cool. in the turn one, two, three, four complex is is where it's where it's all there. Going. Okay, I see it now. And he completed the pass by four and was leading going going to the hairpin. Okay, so we were talking earlier before the show. Who is James Baldwin? I did look it up. A British racing driver and sim racer. He did race in the 2020 British GT Championship and the 2022 Formula One Esports Series. So he's no slouch. Right. But, you know, for anyone to stand up to Max Verstappen on the road course and go toe-to-toe with him and get by, man, that's saying something, isn't it? Uh, wouldn't that be a, a trophy? I mean, you put that in your team chat, dudes, check this video. In a clean pass, not one of those NASCAR-style rough them up and move them out of the way passes. All right, Mike, you always get excited by this guy, so we've got a first-time winner. Yeah, it's Bernard Pollard Jr., or he calls himself the Blackdale Jr., and uh, he's a former pro football player and an iRacing advocate. I think he also um, is an advocate for um, the 48-team sponsor, Ally, uh, that company called Ally. I think he works for them. Anyway, uh, he posted a video up on Twitter of him celebrating his first cup win at Talladega. And, of course, uh, in classic, you know, Bernard uh, fashion, you know, he's yelling, let's go, you know, and it's a great video. I love uh, the emotion and the passion uh, when people win for the first time. uh, And you can just feel it uh, in Bernard for sure. What I like about him is he came on kind of the same time I came on, and but he, he didn't have a background at all in racing or nothing or an interest in it at all. He just happened to start enjoying it when it was really the only sport back. And uh, he stayed. He, he did not leave it. Uh, the bug stuck with him. And uh, it's just nice to see that um, something positive came out of it. I guess he, he uh, seems to enjoy it. It doesn't seem like he's going to go anywhere anytime soon either. Uh, he bought new equipment. He he's on a triple. Uh, he's got a really nice rig, and then he had computer problems where his computer wouldn't work, and he found some he some uh, computer company to rescue him. And oh yeah, it's been great. I can relate to enthusiasm, especially since I won my first one at Bristol Dirt. I mean, it, it's a good feeling. Yeah, it's fun to watch other people win too, huh? Today was looking great, Mike. <laughs> Ouch. I like how he says after after you won the race, he just parked it because he didn't know how to do a burnout. And when I remember when I won my first race, I did the same thing. I was afraid I was going to get an exodus, so I didn't that, do it. That, that's what I was afraid about, too. 
So I, I tried to burn it down like Joe, John Hunter, uh, but it just wouldn't catch fire. We don't have mud flaps yet. Congratulations to Bernard Pollard. We've asked him to come on the show a couple times. Uh, he hasn't bit, but uh, hopefully he'll come on and chat with us about his win. Hey, Mackenzie, are you ready to race? Yeah, so um, Brett McBurney asking the forums why in every race there is always one guy who cancels qualifying as being shortened due to inactivity. So basically he's wondering what, uh, what people are doing for those extra, extra few minutes. That's so important to make 19 other guys who are ready to race wait. And I know I don't have this problem because I normally qualify. But, yeah, I don't really understand why people won't click the ready to race if they're not going to qualify. But uh, I do know one guy answered back saying that they could be getting a drink or going to the bathroom or doing something like that right before the race. That's our, that's our buddy Vern. That's gonna be the yeah, Vern Cluckers. Especially anybody that runs... Uh... Anybody that that runs monitors doesn't have to mess with getting their headphones back and everything back in place is probably going to start it loading and then go do something and then come back. And anytime you get ready for a long race, you be, even if you don't got to go, you better go, especially if you get up to our age. Yeah, I honestly don't understand the complaining to this. There's yeah, there's things you want to get. Make sure you're everything's right. You only you got two minutes. Well, on our roadside or sorry, oval side. Qualifying is a little shorter, but road, I mean, they could be sitting there eight minutes if they don't want to qualify. But you know what? Qualify. Don't start in the back. But, um, yeah, man, I make sure I go to the bathroom, get that last little drop out so I don't have no problems during the race. And I don't know. I, I think on the big road courses, it's probably not going to be that noticeable because you, if you qualify, you're only f finishing with a minute left or so anyway because with the outlap and the two qualifying laps, you have less than a minute left on the clock usually if you get it all in. Where, where this might be running into a frustration is probably like in the Mazdas or where they're running Lime Rock all the time or all the really short tracks where it only takes a minute and a half to qualify and then you sit there for seven minutes. Yeah, on the roadside, I, I can see it a bit like you're saying, David. I want to read Vern's list. Uh, here's his reasons he would not push the button. Going to the bathroom, getting a beer out of the fridge, visualizing the race to come, rolling a joint, putting the dog out so he doesn't bug me, squeezing the last little bit of workout before the race, grabbing a snack for the cautions, spacing out for a few minutes before having to concentrate. Nothing. He forgot the chocolates. Nothing wrong no. with double checking, make sure your set's right. Ah, I don't know. Let's just be so ready. I'm gonna, so here, here's, I'm going to tell you a different way. Imagine this. The big race is Wednesday night. So Tuesday night, I do everything Donnie just said. I make sure everything works. I got the volume set. I did, a, I did some laps. My, my set is loaded. So the next day, as I approach that race time, I'm not in my office. I'm doing other stuff. I'm out and about in my house, outside. I'm doing stuff with the family, the dog, watching TV. I'm in the living room. I'm in the kitchen. I'm cooking. I'm eating. I'm doing other stuff. And I use my iPhone and remote control in to my, you know, my computer, my race computer and register and turn it on and that kind of thing. And I literally walk in the last moment. Sometimes you guys know I put on those headphones, like literally the last second and I sit down and I'm in the race. And so I don't like the, uh, the, you know, let's, 
let's cut the qualifying early thing. I like knowing, hey, I got a full five minutes. I have a full eight minutes before I got to walk in that room. My anxiety would be through the roof if I just sat down and raced. I don't know if I can handle it, to be honest. That'll come after several years of racing. You'll get, you'll, you'll figure this out. You'll say, man, all that 10 minutes before every race I wasted and how many races did I do? Oh yeah. It kind of depends for me on which track. Cause for, even though it was pointless, I wanted to warm up at least for 10 or 20 laps at Martinsville just to make sure I had my timing down. But at Talladega, I, I just show up for qualifying. Okay. I'll take this next one, David. Um, I saw a Facebook post yesterday, um, and unfortunately, I've heard that uh, Vic Greenwood, a fellow iRacer, has uh, passed away uh, recently um, due to a long fight with cancer. Now, Vic Greenwood, you might recognize the name if you've been in the NASCAR iRacing series at any time in the last uh, 11 years, and he's been there since the first, just like me. Uh, and I've raced Vic a lot over the years. Um, a lot of us have. Um, and he's a clean eye racer. Um, one thing that Vic always did when he raced would, when we would pit the first time by, he would stay out and lead a lap or whatever he did. Nobody could figure out why he did. And then he would pit the second time by. I guess he didn't want to get in the traffic and get hit on pit road. But that was his signature, is he would always do that every time there was a caution um, and give up that track position, but he loved to race in the back. So rest in peace, uh, Vic Greenwood. Uh, sorry to hear that. All right. It is time to build the season three schedules. We have a series of links down here where you can participate in, uh, the schedule building. Basically, uh, go, go to the forum and submit your schedule templates and the community managers will help organize the schedules. Yeah, I was just looking through the GT4 one real quick. Um, and it seems like a pretty organized uh, community in there. They got a manager in there that's setting everything up, and they might already have the Season 3 schedule laid out. I don't see anybody rebutting what he's proposing. So it's always nice to get these. It's always nice to start forecasting what I might want to give a shot for next season. And I've been thinking about the GT4 uh, for next season, so maybe I'll give that a go. I'm always pretty happy with the ESS schedule and the and the Le Mans, not Le Mans, uh, the uh, IMSA schedule. Um, as long as they they make sure they put the major events on the same weekend as the uh, the major events. So they've done it this year. There was one year when IMSA ran Daytona after the Daytona 24. And that was that was a waste, but that they should always line those up where everybody can use those practice races to uh, get track time. All right, Justin, we have a discount code for a game. Yeah, David, uh, World of Outlaws here tweeted that ready to trade some sliders on iRacing. When signing up for a new account, use the code PR dash. Outlaws three for half off a three months membership sign up on iRacing. So it looks like they're giving a deal, kind of tr trying to promote the Outlaw series here. Oh, if if you want a burner account or a second account, this is for you. Half off three months, or if you have a friend who's trying to join iRacing, let them uh, try this code out and uh, get a discount. Why not? S 
So I, yeah, I misread this. I was thinking it was for the uh, dirt game. So it's actually just for iRacing, but um, do you have to run dirt if you use this code? No, I don't think so. I just think uh, they gave uh, World of Outlaws a code to use, and World of Outlaws is throwing it out there. I think this would be so, good for someone who wants to try it, but isn't sure if they're going to like it for sure or not. Yeah, like, remember the Camus wheel we talked about? It was $250, the director wheel. Buy one of those. Get your three-month membership, half price, and try it. I mean, your entry-level price is under $500. And now that you mentioned that, somebody in Discord did point out that it does, that Camus wheel did come with pedals and, and a shifter. Right. There, uh, there was paddle shifters there. They were just tiny, and we didn't see them. Oh, so that's, that's an even better deal than we thought then. Yeah, exactly. So... Get you that and get you this three-month membership. Boy, that's a pretty low entry level. All right. Well, we managed to insert this one into the script, and i got to pass this one over to Mike because it has to do with the UI. Yeah, the thread in the forums called Make the iRacing UI Great Again. And as the title alludes to, you can imagine what they're talking about. Uh, kind of like I did, was talking about failure to fetch, uh, can't see what you know place I am in Division Three. Um, and other, you know, nonsense that should have been corrected long ago. Yeah, this one's specifically, uh, I think, posted by Kim Insert. Um, I guess I'll, I'll just read what this person said. Woke up this morning to something I thought was a bug, waited a while and reloaded the UI and it was still there. Why did I racing UI do this? I used to be able to look at a series and see what weeks I can race with a yellow purchase button, but now they've replaced them all with drive. Now I'm looking at it now and like, it's basically what she's saying. And now I either have to click through every single week or remember what tracks I own. I got a simple solution here for, for the devs. They need to just tell the UI guys, go to the website, make the UI do everything the website can do. It's so simple. I, I, you're, do, you're so right. Oh man. Do you think there's just one person working on the UI and he can only work so much? I have the feeling that that might be the case. What's taken so long to get this right? Man, it's hard to bite my tongue. See, I used to be in software development. Yeah, I see a lot of software in my current job that gets developed. And so I do have an opinion about this, but it's tough. I, I, it, it really boils down to who's making the design decisions. It usually boils down to one person, even though there might be a team. There's one person really you know, calling the shots usually. And and UI is so hard. It's so subjective. And if you're not if you're not really drilling in as a user, would you do it and have a different perspective? It usually goes horribly wrong. And that's what it, what's happened here. I think they got somebody who's building it that isn't a power user. Frankly, I wonder if he's like a part time employee and has a a day job somewhere else, and he just comes in when they. I don't know but most likely what you're leading to there, Mike, you know, um, I'm kind of weird, just a personal opinion on this. Like I, I, I create, uh, I don't know if I should admit this, but spreadsheets on seasons and what car, what I want to run and what tracks are at and what I own. That way I know what weeks are coming up and what I can run. That's, I won't say an easy fix to get around this. That's just a neurotic thing I like to, to, to look at, but, but, um, but yeah, she, uh, this person's right. Well, go ahead. 
Well, you shouldn't have to do that. I mean, the software should do that for you. I mean, it should be intuitive like this, like Kim is saying. It should be, oh, I, I can click here and see exactly what tracks I have and don't have for this season and make a decision about, oh, hey, what am I going to run? Not have to, oh, I got to put everything in a third-party Excel spreadsheet because the UI doesn't show squat, you know? No, you're right. You're right. I wish my brain can function that, that cleanly. <laughs> it's but weird man. because the the app shows what he's looking for better than the UI does. Like you can click on the track and see what series it's running in and at what week. See, there you go. Port the app into the UI. <laughs> do something. Port the website, port the app, do something. Maybe move their offices closer together or make them sit in one room together. I mean, the answer is you change the person doing it. Um, I hate to say that somebody would lose their job, but I've seen it happen in other companies where you, you get tunnel vision on the wrong design because there's this one person who, who put us on this path and it's time to cut bait and run and like, you know, Hey, let's, let's have somebody else look at this. I don't know. I've been, I've been using it. I don't use a website anymore. You know, I've been using it, you know, cause I know the website's going away and I'm not going anywhere. So. I'm using it, but I don't like it necessarily. I still don't think it's better in the website. All right. I don't remember covering this last year or hearing about this. But we probably did. This looks really interesting, but it's definitely probably something I would just get my ass handed to me on. But the iRacing SCCA runoffs are coming up again in 2023. Have you checked this out, Donnie? Uh, no, but I've actually been thinking about it. I heard I was listening to the the downshift and they were talking about it and then I got excited. So do we have on here? I have to scroll back down. I clicked out of the page, but now that we're here. There was a few stats from last year. There was about 1600 virtual racers that competed um, for a shot at the eight title races. There was uh, 7,000 views on streaming. So it looks like it had some pretty good coverage. It included class cars like the formula V spec Miata spec racer, the Formula Continental, that's the USF 2000, the uh, GT2, which is in GT4 in parentheses now, and the B-Spec, which is the Renault uh, Clio. Yeah, so it looks like they're going from eight groups, if you mentioned this, uh, David, to down to six. So they're going to tighten up the, 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 the group a little bit. Uh, but more, avail uh, more information will become available as it uh, gets closer. So it's taking place in October. Um, so we got so a little bit of time. Somewhere in there, there's some some uh, real racing ride in the prize. October 21st, it will not include super sessions as it did before, meaning the main races will be set using a more traditional approach of iRacing ranking. Pretty cool. I know I'm jumping back here, but uh, Mike, I know one of your biggest things about the UI is for the standings. You can't sort it by division and see what place you actually are. you got to count down. I just looked in the app, actually, you can sort it by division and then it'll actually tell you what place you are in your division. Yeah, because Tony shows that all the time when he's when he's just hanging out on his phone in chat. He'll pop up and check out how everybody's doing in their division and, and pastes a screenshot of the app. Well, the app's great. You know, the app was, remember, the app was created by iRacer and then that guy got hired on by iRacing. And then they bought him and his app. Hey, let's get that guy to work on the UI. Let's there hope you it's go. not the same guy. <laughs> There's no way it's the same guy, okay? The, the app's been great. 
I mean, how many things wrong have I had said about the app? I there was one thing I I was nitpicky on. It was I had my font turned up in in the iPhone real high because I was being weird, and he didn't adjust for the big fonts, and that was it. But other than that, I mean, it's been great. But you, there you are. I mean, just have somebody else look at it, like the guy who designed the app. Let's have him look at the beta UI and say, you know what? If it was me, I would have done it this way. That's what we need. We just need another opinion in the mix to kind of get this on the right track where everyone likes it. All right. So we're kind of talking events, it looks like, because the next event coming up, uh, Justin, you can take this one, is uh, BMW Sim Cup. Yeah. Uh, looks like we got that, David, the BMW Sim Cup. Just kind of learning about it as we speak now. Um, is this like an endurance race, David? Almost. It's it's really a sprint race where you have to team up over two hours. And especially if you're running in a GT car, it basically means each person runs half of an hour, half of the half of the race. Looks like there's pretty good payout. A thousand five hundred, two fifty. I think this is the second race, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, get, and that's going to be top split. So, yeah, this Sunday they'll be at uh, Road America, 120 minute multi class team race. I thought Tom and Greg were going to try this. Um, but didn't. We, yeah, we, we tried to run it. I mean, none of us are going to be anywhere cl- close to that money split. Yeah, but I think you, you guys were going to try it for fun. Yep. They, real life gets in the way really quick. Why does it? I'd love to be running more of the six-hour races in the on the on the European uh, WEC series, basically. But it's just um, combined with uh, contests and other band stuff, and the the teammates being busy. It's just not happening. All right, we've got one more special event, Mackenzie, and it's the Nuremberg. Not Nuremberg. I say that every wrong every time. Nuremberg. Yes, the the Nurburgring, the twenty four hours, it uh it's running from May twelfth to the fourteenth. Uh, they got four time slots. You got uh, Friday twenty two hundred, GMT Saturday seven, Saturday twelve, and Saturday sixteen hundred. I like the car mix here too, GT three, GT four, and then single make classes, Cup, Touring, and Spec. And that's the largest amount of classes we usually see, right? Five different classes. I mean, it's five. Yeah, but it is a gigantic track, and it's something I have no experience at as far as the multi-class side because memorizing that track is just such a so much more of a beast than any other road course. I have it memorized. I mean, I love this track. This this sounds like fun to me for sure. Probably in the GT3, though, um, not in one of the other cars. I would want to be in the fastest car. So let me riddle you this, uh, David. Maybe you know. You got the multi-make class, which says GT3, and that includes a BMW, Mercedes, and a Porsche 911 GT3R. But down below, it says single-make class, Cup, Porsche 992 GT3. So why is that GT3 not mixed with the other one? It's not got the same specs. It's just, it's a spec car that's run in the Porsche Super Cup series. That's right. You oh, remember the you remember the old Porsche uh, that actually even used to be the Rough Cup before it became the Porsche Cup car. Right, rough. And that was and it was always a separate car. 
and it still is. It runs its own class by itself, and I think it's the same way in real life. Yeah, if I could find a, uh, a teammates or a group to run with in one of these, I'm, I could probably do it because I know this track. But oh, at night, I don't know about night, driving at night. This is a 24-hour race, so uh, it's not lit. The track's not lit, so cheat, maybe... You cheat. you cheat and run the racing line anyway. That's true, but... It would be difficult in the dark. I don't, I've never done it in the dark. I guess that's going to be a challenge. I need to try that tonight. All right, podcast housekeeping. Leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform to make it easier for more listeners to find us. Mention the podcast to your fellow drivers so they don't miss out. We do appreciate it. Join the conversation on Discord. Check the website, iracerslounge.com. We're also on Performance Motorsports Network. All right, Donnie, you get to pick up the fantasy chat today. Yep, last week uh, the Cup Series was at Martinsville. Looks like uh, the winner for last week in the Tafosi Racing League was I am not a professional. Uh, Bobby Jonas, teammate Bobby Jonas, finished second. Uh, 2IF finished third. Another teammate, Stephen Luan, finished fourth in a tie with Lumpy68. And Resdog was right behind them in sixth. Uh, how'd you guys do? Yeah, somewhere in the twenties. Yeah, uh, two of my racers got wrecked out early. Nice. I ended up finishing seventh um, for Kevin Harvick, cutting his his wheel in half somehow. I had him on the team there. Probably would have done a little bit better, I'd imagine, if he would have. Uh, that wouldn't have happened to him. But I'm climbing up the overall standings week by week, chipping away. So see how it goes. I didn't do well. I was 38th. I had Priest, who was running well until he took that stupid exiting pit road too fast penalty. So did I. Yeah. This, this week, a, what do you like? I don't know. This is probably a question that Bobby would know. But do the drivers know where the timing lines are for the segments? I thought they were the lines painted on the ground, the white lines that go all the way across pit road. That's what I always thought they were. But yeah, Bobby would... He'll chime in this week and let us know after he listens to the show. But a uh, question for you guys on pit road speed. I don't think I've ever asked you guys this, and I've always heard the craziest answer to this. Why can they not have a speedometer go to a certain speed and then cut off? Because I always heard they don't like speedometers because they don't want to know how fast they're going. But if you had a speedometer, because they have digital dashes now, that went up to maybe 60 miles an hour and then cut off after that, I mean, the whole going off lights and just seems so strange this, you know, this far into the, the future. Well, there are things when you change the wheels, if you change the setups that actually affect how the speedometer will read, right? It, sometimes even the air pressure can affect the speedometer when you're talking about dealing with, with, with the hundreds of seconds that they're, they're timing. So they try to, that's one of the reasons they base it on R RPMs. And, and the other reason is basically tradition, but it ultimately, come, it ultimately comes down to the, if, the, if the tires, if something changes on the tire and the setup, it's going to change how the speedometer reads. Okay. That, honestly, that's probably the best excuse I've heard. I've heard excuses. The main excuse I've heard is they don't want to know how fast they're going. 200 miles an hour around wherever that makes a little bit of sense. Maybe you don't want to let your brain know that, but um, I always wonder why they couldn't just have something for pit road. Now they uh, know. 
But if, if okay. you change if you change the size of your tire, you have to recalibrate a speedometer in a real yeah. car. Yeah. What about going around the corner on pit road? You know, you're you're going around the corner on the inside or the outside lane. You know, if you're going around the outside lane, you're driving literally farther than you are if you went on the inside lane. So I don't think a speedometer really gives the actual information they really need. You know, what they really need is a, a timer. Like you're, you're supposed to have X amount of seconds between the lines. And if you go over X amount of seconds, that's when they ding you. And that's how NASCAR looks at it. They, they look at it as X amount of seconds, not as speed. And I did hear that a couple of weeks ago. What you just said there about the time instead of the actual speed. Yeah, and and unfortunately, iRacing I don't think actually does it based on time, but it bases it more on how long you spend over the limit and how much in each segment. Because if you you can really shortcut um, the curved pit roads and shave off a lot of time. I'll, I'll just get into my speeding penalty from today, and I kind of was upset. I thought it was going to be. Um, not a real speeding penalty because I cut the pit road towards the wall because I had to catch up to the group that I lost a draft in. And I entered well below 55, maybe 53, 54. And then when I watched the replay back, I was at 56 for kind of what David was saying for quite a while. Like I would say almost half the the, the length of pit road. I had no idea it was that high. Um, so I got popped for speeding, not paying attention. And Sim Racing Apps has a little yellow pop-up that comes up and it gives you the mile per hour to the 10th of the mile per hour. So I, when I look at that, when I'm on pit road and I, I bring it right up to 55.0, you know, and try to hit that exactly. And so you'll, it, it really helps when you have a tool like that. And that actually JRT that does that on the dashboard. Well, it does it there too, actually. So I have several tools that do similar things, but yeah, I'm, I'm using a sim racing pop-up for that. Yeah. I'd never sped competitively before on pit road. Usually if I, I sped, it was be, you know, I was fixing damage. And I didn't give a shit, but, um, today was the first time I was actually in contention for a win pitting with 10 laps to go and speeding on pit road. Just, it was, ah, man. Well, next week in the real world, it is Talladega, and um, it tends to kind of be your wild card week, right? You pick all your guys that you normally wouldn't pick just to try to throw throw away to not or to try not to throw away your good picks, I guess. I'll pick the guys that are traditionally up front at plate races, and hopefully, make them up the aisle. Yeah, I'll, I'll put McDowell in. I always put him in at the plate races. I always go with Stenhouse, except I didn't do Daytona this year. That was the first time in a plate race I haven't put him in, and he ends up winning the damn thing because he usually does something Austin, dumb and wrecks. But Austin Dillon, yeah, he'll be there. Stenhouse will be. I'm just giving away my lineup, I guess. But um, yeah, usually the guys up front, they always find their way up front. Goes against the whole uh, plate racing's easy, but it always seems to be the same guys running up front. I don't think plate racing plate racing is easy. I think it's easier on the engineers. If you're talking about in the real world, I think it, it equalizes the engineers compared to the other tracks. Yeah, I was watching an awesome video today. It was an Italian fella. He, um, he did a vlog on Daytona 500, and he was basically breaking it down to a bare minimum for his home audience. And the way he described, I don't think it happens anymore, but back in the Gen 6 era, even before, the way they would engineer the body of the car that would compress at speed and then by the time that the race was over, then the, bo the bodies would decompress. 
and go back and fit templates. I don't know if the next gen does that. I don't know if they can actually compress the carbon with speed like they did the the sheet metal. That was an irrelevant tangent, but oh well. Title idea. Metro Ford of Chicago delivers to you. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, we have over 160 vehicles in stock. Living large or strapped for cash, good credit, no credit, doesn't matter. It's all good at Metro Ford of Chicago. We offer easy financing and guaranteed credit approval. Visit eMetroFord.com to view our complete inventory and tell them Patrick sent you. Metro Ford of Chicago, serving Chicagoland and beyond for over 35 years. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. Let's talk some hardware software sponsored by Metro Ford. We open up with iRacing on Steam Deck, and it's a tweet from Pablo Lopez. Take this one away, Justin. Yeah, Pablo Pablo Lopez tweeted that you can play iRacing on a Stream Deck, which I think this is real cool, and I want one of these things someday. But yeah, he tweeted, and he's got a little video of him playing iRacing. Uh, against 20 ai cars around 60 fps that's that's phenomenal now is this the is this the answer to registering for races remotely ah heck he's racing so yeah so this is a steam deck not stream deck it's a valve steam deck and it's 505 dollars on amazon for a 64 gigabyte 512 gigabyte, $801. Why didn't somebody tell me you could do this? I, I mean, this is like a, you know, if you don't know what a Steam Deck is, it looks like a, one of those Nintendo Switch, you know, kind of games uh, where you, ha- you just hold it in your hand and you got joysticks on either side and a screen in the middle. And he's l- legit playing iRacing on this and driving on this device. Freaking cool. I got to get one. Yeah, I would now, say this tell is a me time how it work. No idea. It's like a handheld computer. Are you, you running your installed? computer? Yeah, I don't know. No, it's a. It pretty much it's like an OS of Steam on a like a Nintendo Switch, and you can play all kinds of PC games. So, are you playing it from the actual device, or you is it paired to your computer? No, the device. That's interesting. Wait a minute. So I, I, I still don't get it. Where is iRacing installed? Is it installed on the Steam Deck? I, I believe so. So so would iRacing be installed through Steam on this then, basically? Yeah, it's all ran through Steam. Hmm. So if you don't subscribe through Steam, does that mean you wouldn't be able to do this? I wonder. Probably not. So now here's what I... Now, I, I don't know for sure, but I think... He has iRacing running on his computer and he's using software and this device to basically stream it into the device from the computer. I bet you it's still, you know, iRacing is installed on his computer. It's running if you would look at it. He's just sitting in the other room using this device that's basically a, a, a virtual window into what's happening on his computer, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. I clicked on the the thread, and he's got another video here. He's got it plugged in to his computer, and he's got the steering wheel and everything hooked up. So it's basically just using it as the screen then. 
he's broadcasting from the computer to the device basically and then he's using the controls on the device to, to actually drive the car freaking cool man I, I love this and it, it would be neat if you know there was a i mean is there how do you integrate it i guess is the question and uh could iRacing you know make this easier you know where you could do it on handheld devices like a switch could we ever have iRacing on a nintendo switch for iRacing would that be good for the product because it would bring the quality of racing down you would think i just uh there's another thing in the comments here He's not running it through the Steam OS. He uh, has Windows installed on an SD card that he put into it. So it is a total workaround. Okay. Yeah, I was thinking there's not a way to do this. And so, yeah, he's he's uh, doing some kind of magic. It's just a tiny PC, basically. Take my money. Um, I don't know. I mean, nah. <laughs> I'm gonna run in my vr and my in my racing rig with my hydraulics i'm not gonna be using my thumbs to race maybe for a console game i, I would give it yeah. a go but would that be good for spotters yeah that'd be neat i just imagine you know i'm sitting on the couch and with the family they're watching tv and i got this thing in my hand i'm running delara dash an inconsequential race I, you know that makes sense maybe you got your pods in so i can hear it you know and nobody knows what I'm doing. You know, I'm just sitting there doing my thing. Anyway, that's what I was thinking. It, it might be cool. I don't think I'd run my NIS races on it or anything like that. That or running the, the dirt trucks on it would be kind of cool. All right, Donnie, our first video review is on the uh, Thrustmaster T818. Yeah, Sean Cole of the Simpit is next up reviewing the Thrustmaster, as you mentioned, T818. Um, so far, the good that he likes, he says it looks great, which I don't really agree with. Uh, he li likes the ecosystem, good software, a nice quick release. It's wireless wheel connection and has just the right amount of force feedback. In his opinion, the not so good is it's expensive. It's plastic. There's a little bit of flex the lockdown screw, and there's no way to side mount this um, wheelbase and no consoles. Does that mean no consoles? Like you can't hook us up to a PlayStation or Xbox? I mean, yeah. PC Who's only. their audience then? <laughs> uh, people like us, right? Sim racers. Oh, are we going to buy this? No, we're not going to buy this. <laughs> but hey, he gave it a good, honest review. Well, his bottom line, he says, if you're not looking at it and you're just driving it, and the force feedback just works, you know, go with it. That's kind of his bottom line. Remind me on the price on this one, Mike. Uh, $670? No, wait, that was, uh, I'll have to look. It gets a little rougher now with that, that canvas from last week you guys mentioned. I'm hitting their website now, the eshop.thrustmaster.com. $650, I was right. Yeah, I mean, he did say he liked the looks of it, and it it would look okay if it was for a console desktop um, unit, but man, I don't know. Well, Mike, I know you are starting to think PC builds, which means you might be having to start about managing your FPS, and so that's our next video. Is It's from, uh, from Daniel Morad. Yeah, he uh, put up a little struggling with FPS and iRacing. And uh, basically tells you, uh, you know, what to do about it. 
Now, one of the settings that he uh, described here, I actually changed in Windows and, and had its opposite of what he said. Uh, let me see, let me find it real quick. Hardware accelerated GPU scheduling. So if you go into your Windows 11 or 10 and search in control panel or settings for what I just said, it's an on-off switch, and he's suggesting we should turn that on. I had it off, so I turned it on. I don't know if I noticed a difference in FPS, but uh, yeah. He also goes through several other settings in Sim uh, about what might help your FPS. Like, for example, turn off the cockpit mirrors or reduce them, turn off dynamic objects. I don't know. I kept my FPS at 84. And I don't usually ever have a problem, but this is a good video to look at. I guess if you're, it's not a video, it's a short. I wonder, can you look up shorts in the future? Do they show up in your history for YouTube? Let's take a look. Not sure, but uh, yeah, it's only 30 seconds, but he goes over, like I said, a few settings in SIM and then that Windows setting. Um, and I knew about the SIM stuff, and I do have some of those uh, toggled to try to manage uh, FPS. But uh, I, yeah, I hope that Windows one helps me as well. Donnie, I have to throw this one back to you because this might be the, the DIY answer to the uh, SimuCube Active Pedal. Yeah, Tristan Fenwick shows us, this is via YouTube, how to make a DIY version of an Active Pedal. And it looks like he's got some 3D, 3D printed parts in here. So I'm curious of the overall strength over um, longer lasting feel, but he's got... Trying to, I thought that was a garage door. This thing came up a couple weeks ago for for the team chat, but it almost looks like a garage door thread uh, rod that would go into your garage door opener, as his um, as a threading device that using uses for the the back and forth motion. But yeah, I'm curious how this would work. I mean, it looks freaking fantastic if he did this himself and um, engineered this himself. But I'll describe it. It kind of. It's similar in size to the the SimuCube uh, active pedal. It's not black and orange. It's 1970s refrigerator green with uh, baby blue, and it's got some kind of actuator. I do not know what that actuator is, uh, but it looks like it runs pretty pretty smooth for a DIY project. It's a neat idea. I mean, it's the SimuCube pedal uses like a a piston, you know, kind of coming out of a motor, I guess you would say. And this is, like you said, it's a screw bolt. So it, he has a motor that's turning it left or right. And then as the screw bolt screws real fast, one way or the other, that's what moves it back and forth. Yeah, so with that screw bolt, that, that's gonna require maintenance, greasing the bolt, or the whatever we're gonna call it, screw. Screw rod, we can call it that. Um, I'm curious how that you know, might not catch the threading with whatever device he has that's locking into it, is that going to affect his feedback on the pedal? Because the push rod that uh, the hydraulic or whatever the active pedal uses is, is a smooth system. This has to lock in with, with essentially a, a screw thread. I'm curious if you could get any kind of hesitation with that. It's fast enough, too, you know, to actually do what needs to be done quick enough. Yeah, because you're giving up a lot of speed with that when you put it in a screw like that. I mean, I'm sure it rotates really fast, but it might not be fast enough to move it quick enough. Great he's idea. Show, he's showing how quick it'll move manually around the 24 second mark. So 
Dan Suzuki put out a video earlier today on the SemiCube Active pedal, and we'll have that review next week. I haven't watched the video yet. Yeah, I got to that 24-second mark, and I'm just curious how over time that's going to work with that, that threading. But, I mean, heck, man, if this guy's doing it himself at his house, it's awesome. Sky's the limit for that kid. Well, did, the, did they send you a postcard, Mike? They did. RC Racing Cockpits mailed me, U.S. Mail, a postcard trying to get my business. And so I thought that was cool. I mean, how many times has a SIM company, a SIM hardware company, mailed you something trying to get your business? And so it was kind of a first, I think, for me. Maybe not, but I, the, I, the first in recent memory. And so anyway, I just thought I would mention it. Uh, I checked their website, racingcockpits.com. And uh, they are U.S.-based out of California, I believe, is what I looked up. And they have some, uh, you know, 80-20 style cockpit. Uh, basically, you know, P1X, Sim, SimLab P1X clones. Not bad pricing. I mean, their pro cockpit that's kind of uh, loaded uh, without the seat. $875. Little thing I like on the monitor stand, they got the angle degree. When you set it up, you don't have to get a actual scale out and everything. It's right on the mount. Yeah, they have great mounts as well that go with them that are available that attach right on, attached uh, triples or a, a single or quad. Does anybody have integrated triple mounts cockpit? Yeah, I do. That's what I have. Do you have it's all flex like in the monitors? No, because I bought the zero play uh, Visa mounts from Sim Labs as well. And they have some really nice, minute, finite little uh, adjustment where you just screw these uh, little bolts in and out, top and on the, to go up or down, left or right. So you can dial them in really, really nice. I have a, I have a separate mon triple monitor stand, and that's one thing I regret. I think I wish I would have got the integrated triple. Yeah, Justin, I have Lawrence's from SimCoach's triple monitor mount that mounts to your your uh, cockpit, and it's a little pricey. Uh, it's all machined aluminum, but uh, it's able to hinge open the left side or right side, whatever you have you ever mounted or for your shifter, if you want to get out. So I'm able to bring them in to, I think I'm at 60 degrees, my, my angle. And then um, to get out, I just swing open the, the keyboard, swing open the monitor, and I hop on out. That's cool. It's nice. The, the, the ability to swing the monitor out is a huge feature for that uh, sim coaches mount because mine is locked down. I, I mean, if I tried to swing it out, it would be a big deal, and I couldn't do it. Yeah, and I went with the fixed seat, so I don't have a slider like you, Mike. So if I had a slider, I would be able to get out, no problem. But I wanted it fixed. I don't know. Maybe I was worried about flex. And so this way, having the fixed seat, I'm nice and tight, and then I could swing the monitor if I have to. All right, Mackenzie, how about speech-to-text? Yeah, uh, Marvin Herbold was a former game developer for uh, uh, Besta Softworks, Rainbow Studios, etc., and has created a speech-to-text open VR overlay app for iRacing. Uh, it works beautifully whenever someone is talking. The app does speech-to-text processing and displays what they are saying in text. It is using Microsoft uh, 
Azure's cognitive services to do the processing. So um, he says in his uh, form post here that he's uh, hard of hearing. He uh, he has about 50% hearing loss in both ears. So he said he can crank his speakers up in here, ever, everything, but uh, he didn't want to do that. So he created this. And uh, I think that's I think that's great, actually. So when people talk, it just shows up as text instead of having to listen to it. I like it. I love it. And I, you know, I have hearing loss too, and I have a hard time understanding what people are saying. And that's kind of the way I, because of the way I set up my sound, I only run voice through the headset and all other sounds are through different speakers just to try to be able to hear better what people are saying. And I think I'm actually going to install this tool and, and run it. Just have it up in the corner where if, if somebody's saying something and I don't understand them, I could glance up and see what it says written out. I mean, isn't that cool? Is it your 85 decibel SIM rig? Are you losing hearing because of that? No, it wasn't because of that, but <laughs> it was uh, rock and roll back in the day. He also says he's um, adding some basic telemetry to the app too. So your card number, current position, laps behind leader, current speed, and current gear. Yeah, it's in the forums. Uh, you can search speech to text and find it. Uh, he's got a link to a different website, you know, where you can get this baby installed. I'm going to do this tonight and just try it, and I'll report back next week. Now, is this only a VR overlay, though? Because he says it's for open VR. Ooh, maybe. Good point. Maybe I won't be trying it. Well, you can report so, yeah. back either way. Yeah. Yeah, we'll right. figure it out. Next up, we've got the Hidden Cabinet DIY rig, and I don't know who to pass this one to because this one's in a Facebook group that I cannot get to myself. I couldn't get to it either. I was trying to. Okay, I got it. Um, and it's called the DIY Sim Racer group in Facebook. You guys should join because this guy, Darren Bacoller, has posted up recently pictures of his uh new cupboard sim rig and it, it's like a a rolling bar i guess uh you would say it's got a cabinets on the front and the top half of it lifts up and guess what he's got a seat in there that's folded uh wheel pedals the whole thing unfolds like a transformer and he's got all of his uh, rig there now he's got these regular uh latches that he latches as he unfolds everything to to hold it together and it's quite a unique design i mean if you're doing a, a diy stuff this is something to copy for sure pretty cool but yeah if you this you know if you were hiding this little uh, cupboard thing in your living room you know nobody would know the wiser what's in it yeah, I can see this post now. And that's, yeah, you have no idea that's a sim rig until he pulls it out and starts opening it up. Well, look at how, as he does, how he uh, attaches everything with the, the as I mentioned, the latches. Um, it makes it really quick to put together. It looks like he could probably uh, unfold this thing in maybe 60 seconds and have it ready to race. Yeah, it definitely wouldn't take long. He's even he's even got the, the shifter mount that swings out when he unfolds it that that's really cool yeah to get it outside the box so it's you know out of the way of his legs yeah 
Well, the next one is something that might take more than 60 seconds. And it's uh, we've got a video from Will Ford on how to set up your pedals. Take it away, Donnie. Yeah, so Will Ford, Boosted Media. It looks like he's using the Asetech Sim Sport pedals, the black and orange ones. He goes through um, and how to set your uh, throttle clutch and brake. Um, talks about the dead zones that you want to use. Uh, for your throttle and, and your brake. The most important one, in my opinion, is always, I mean, I think the throttle is important, but the brake obviously is the most important pedal that you have and what you need to pay attention to. Um, and he's using the Asetech software, which I've seen a few times. Looks very similar to what we have with ours. But um, I don't know, David, do you have dead zones before and after for, for your brake pedal? I do in the... Uh... In in our SimuCube software, or not SimuCube software, in our in the Visor software, I do, and I actually and I set them up specifically a little bit further down so that I can rest my foot on the brake pedal even, and not and not register any brake pressure pressure unless I'm actually pushing down on it. Same for the throttle, so I don't have to lift completely off to get zero. Yeah, so that's where I got my dead zones pretty much for the brake as well, um, and you can actually prevent locking up if you if you back it down a little bit in, in the end. Um, but this is a good video. Even if you don't have Asetech, it kind of can give you the same principles on how to cal not calibrate, but set your pedal and brake uh, sliders and adjustments uh, to make as well. That can probably work in, in most software programs. Did you try that throttle trick that I showed you for the dirt race? Yeah, it was basically, I think it was a reverse curve than what I normally run. Yeah. And uh, yeah. because at Bristol, you you really need to be half throttle to be stable. If you're less than half throttle, you can't con control the car. But it was getting really hard to maintain that kind of half throttle. So I reversed the curve when, what, last year. And so when I just barely touched the, the throttle, I'm at half throttle and can modulate between half throttle and full throttle. Uh, and it made it made it for better control at Bristol. Do you mess at all with uh, the curving of your throttle with road cars? No, I like flat for the road cars because they come with traction control. So you, you make the adjustments there in the car instead of on the pedals. Yeah, I'm still at a flat 45-degree angle with my curve. Yeah, Will specifically says this isn't Asetech specific. He wants to uh, – he, he used Asetech because the software is pretty easy to use and it shows easily what he's trying to describe. And so uh, he does say that, that the concepts he, he describes – you know, work should work on any pedal set. And so, yeah, he goes through throttle, clutch, and then finally the brake. And, and and obviously you guys touched on what he's talking about with the brake, but he also gave his thoughts on what to do with the other pedals too. Yeah, I don't ever think about my clutch too often. I just set it up and let it run. Yeah, you just blip it when you need it. You know, you're just pushing it in halfway maybe and... Actually, not, and I take that back. I have it set up very sensitive to all I have to do is, like you're saying, Mike, just barely, barely touch it. Right. All right, Justin, we've got a video card to look at. Yeah, Linus uh, just put out a video here of, of the 4070 review, the RTX 4070. Uh, what's your guys' opinion on this? I'm not, I'm not too educated much on graphics cards. Is this a good deal? Six hundred and dollars, I think it is. And then just today they lowered it to five seventy. I heard. Um, but yeah, uh, six hundred dollars. 
this might be the sweet spot, okay, is what I was thinking. And that's kind of, I watched a couple different videos. We only have one here on this on the show. But when you look at the 4090 and the price of that, which is 1600 to 1800 and then you have the 4080, okay, which is 1200 And then you had um, the 4070 Ti, which was really the 4080 with less RAM. Because remember, when the 4080 came out, there were two versions with two different amounts of RAM. And so they took the lower version, just renamed it the 4070 Ti. And then now we have this, the 4070. And the price drops dramatically. I mean, you're going from 1200 down to 600 And what so... Does, what, yeah, does this, what does this compare to on the 30 series cards, um, the 4070? 3080. If you look in this section where he's look, looking over the benchmarks, um, he says that the 470 will easily dispatch the 3080. Depends on the game, but yeah. So when I was thinking about my build, like, man, when I when I added up everything with the 4090, it was 4,000. So I was like, how can I cut this? Well, this is it. Maybe I don't do the 4090, I do a 4070. It, you know, is it, is it enough? Is it good enough, you know, for what I'm trying to do? It might be, you know, looking at the specs, I mean, there's no specifics on iRacing, but if you look across the specs on all the different games, I mean, the 4090 is still the king, but I mean, the price that you're getting, I mean, when it goes from 600 to 1800, you're, I mean, you're not getting that much value for that money. Do you, do you consider the 4070 future proof compared to the 4090? Not as much, no. How far in the future are you future proofing? <laughs> it's hard to say. Well, maybe I'm in my third or fourth year on this one. This one is a 2070 Super, is the card 2070 Super. So, other than buying the stuff when it comes out day one, when do you guys usually start looking for an upgrade or start re looking for a rebuild? When shit keeps happening. I remember my my computer like once a week late recently. I turn it on and get no video, none, no video, and it scared the heck out of me. So I'm like, yeah, it's about to die or what? Yeah, that would definitely make me consider. I usually stay a generation behind. Like I have a 3060 that I just upgraded from a 5700 XT, the the AMD. But um, so far so good. So hopefully I get a couple decent years out of this one. I think my last upgrade was driven by switching to the reverb because it just had it had a it was a little bit beefier than the Oculus, and I was noticing just missing the quality of the graphics. Um, I should also mention in the forums, there's more than one person saying that the 4090 is having less FPS than a 3090, and wondering why and not really finding answers. I think. So th there might be something up with a 4090 and iRacing. Um, I just haven't put my thumb on it yet. But yeah, there's activity in the forums about it. I think one thing that could be worth mentioning here is uh, they made the size of the 4070 smaller again. So it's smaller than the 3080. So if you're at a point where you have limited space inside your case, then this would be a good way to go also. It really puts me off, Mac, that it only has the one fan. I'm thinking, man, I'm buying this powerful card. I'm spending hundreds and hundreds of dollars. It doesn't have freaking two fans on it or even three. 
Yeah, I didn't actually even notice that until you said it. You know, it kind of throws it like, is it run hot because it only has one fan? I don't get it, you know, because I'm used to having a card with three fans on it. I know for me, because I bought a pre-built PC and it's got a 3060 in it. And I'm pretty sure they're like the physical size between these two is around the same. So I think if I wanted to go to like a 4080 or 4090, I'd have to get a new case. But I think I could just put this card in and still have room for it. But the question is, are are you getting anything by that upgrade from a 3060 to the 4070? Yeah, I, you know, that's what these videos are showing. It's like it's marginal uh, increases. Is there not a difference between the 3060 and, say, the 3080? Yeah. I mean, as you go up, there is. But but I guess what I'm trying to say is the price. One, one thing that Linus Tech Tips talks about a little bit in this video um, and I think Jay's two cents also in a different video is traditionally as they go from one li uh, line up to the other in NVIDIA, the pricing has gone down for similar cards. And they gave examples when we went from the 2000 series to the 3000, the price went down a little bit. And that's not happening in this iteration as we're going into the 4000 cards. It's not going down like it traditionally has before. So right. I think he, what he's trying to say is a $600 card we're looking at there is really should be like 500 or 450 or something. Yeah, that makes sense. The only reason I'm thinking about upgrading is since I'm running the VR now, I find on restart sometimes it gets a bit laggy. And I don't know if that's my graphics card or if I just have to change a setting or what. Is the FPS low when that happens? Yeah, like on restarts, I watch my FPS drop to about like... 45 but i normally run it at i think it's 72 or whatever it is yeah you just you're gonna have to crank down something usually the the biggest gain i always saw was in anti-aliasing you can really save a lot of fps there okay yeah because it's only on the restarts any other time it runs perfectly fine make sure crowds are off too yeah i turned the crowds off all right it's not an iRacers lounge show without a wheel is it what a beauty. Yeah. Have we talked about this one before? Because it's now available for purchase. But um, I don't want to I don't want to hammer it on it too much if we've covered it deeply before. I can't no, get the I mean, English version on the website. It's in the upper right. You have to click a button up there. And this is the Asher V3. Now, if you recall when I bought my formula wheel, I narrowed it down to two, the Cube Controls F Pro and the Asher V2. So now they're selling the Asher V3. And boy, what a beauty. I mean, is it any different than the V2? Not really. I mean, by the look of it, I'm sure it's got some upgrades. That's why they have a different version. But I don't know specifically what those are. But man, this thing is eye candy. When you look at it, it really gives a a feel of, man, this looks like a real racing wheel. There's no plastic here at all. Yeah, nice lay nice layout. Uh, the thumbs are well placed. It's got the clutches, um, the colors, and the they look like aluminum buttons are really nice. Um, and the price is not terrible for a non-display form of the wheel. It's eleven hundred euros. Yeah, uh, got double clutch on the back or double paddles. I love the the button, the machined metal front with the logo. 
Um, it's a beauty. Um, nobody would go wrong buying this one. The only thing, you know, it is, a, again, I, I always dwell on this, but I'll say it again. It is a screw-on connector for the wire, um, the USB cable. And uh, and the cube controls has that magnetic one, which is this man is so convenient. I think it's also a wireless wheel too, right? It can be with the right base. I believe, uh, I believe, yeah, it says right here, USB or wireless connection. Yeah, I see it saying that uh, the rechargeable battery has an 800 hour runtime. It'll go wireless with if you have SimiCube base. Yeah, it's compatible with SimiCube, right? Now, my wheel is Bluetooth, but not to the SimiCube base, but to the PC. And because my PC is on the other side of the monitors, I found that it it's not close enough to actually make a good connection. So I always run the wire and that's been fine with me. I don't have no problem running the wire. Beautiful wheel. All right, staying in the, uh, the SimuCube cube controls arena, we've got two videos for the new cube controls, SP01 pedals. They're nice looking, but um, didn't we decide they were might be a little bit overpriced? Yeah, overpriced and Maybe slightly. Yeah, they're overpriced. But Lawrence do I never get this one right. Deuce Oswa. He uh he he liked them. He liked the pedals. He obviously likes the look of them. They do look really nice. Um he said there's nothing about them really that stands out against any other higher end uh load cell pedal. Um not that they aren't good. He says there's just nothing that sets them over the top. Um they would be a nice upgrade from your your lower or mid-level pedal if you were to jump into these. Um, he said they were great. They worked fantastic, um, but nothing that would set them, you know, above, you know, the load cell market. A look. I mean, they have that look. Uh, Cube controls, you know, from Italy. It always has a neat design, you know, um, color, that kind of thing. The blue really stands out. Dan Suzuki also did a video on these, and um, he said pretty much the same. Um, wondering, you know, are these is it worth it for what you're paying? Uh, as far as, you know, usability and driving, I mean, he had nothing bad to say about them, really. He, he did, the, the one quirks he did uh, mention was the, there's a bigger pedal face you can include on one of the pedals. And the, when you screw in the screws, they kind of stick out just a little bit where your foot would rub on them. And just minor uh, nu nuisance things, but uh, I think he said the software could be a little bit better too. This is. Uh, uh, were you were you done? Were you were you done there, Donnie? Okay, okay. This next one is kind of funny. Imagine you have decided you're ready to upgrade to a direct drive base, but you don't get the Thrustmaster base. You get like who knows, Simmagic or 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 Fanatec, or even SimiCube, but you're just absolutely in love with your Thrustmaster wheel. Well, now you can put it on just about any uh, direct drive base. Hey, you spent years wearing down, I don't think that's Alcantara, but you spent years wearing in that wheel. You, you don't want to just get rid of it. Yeah. It says convert your Thrustmaster steering wheel to make it compatible with any direct drive or OSW base. Now, it's basically wheel... an adapter. Would that wheel be strong enough to handle a good force feedback? Because aren't they plastic, the the Thrustmasters? Yes. 
mostly plastic yes so yeah that's the big question would it just crumble in your hands <laughs> so to speak I, i'm actually kind of flabbergasted that this would be that there would be a market for this you're gonna buy a, a direct drive wheel and then slap a thrust an old thrustmaster rim on it 109 euros it's not cheap either yeah i wonder how many they sell <laughs> i mean i'm trying to think it's it's like um it's like buying a Ferrari and then putting Toyo tires on it. All right, let's go to results. The NASCAR iRacing Series. Let's finish up uh, Martinsville Friday Open P18. I actually lost internet connection briefly and dropped from the server. By the time I uh, got back going, I was four laps down. I was able to get it back to three laps down, finished P18. Now, I changed ISP. I went from Cox Cable to Verizon cellular home, 5G home internet. This is the first time it's affected my NIS race, hopefully the last, but um, I haven't been dropped using Cox, so I'm a little dismayed, um, but hoping for the best. Greg, I got a P21. David, P26. Yeah, this one was kind of disappointing. I thought I was going to be okay. I'd been running around this top split. I was running around 10th to 12th, and we're coming to the checker, and everybody's wrecking. And I thought I still had 12x, so I thought I had 4x to give. So I see all the wrecking, and I'm just like, uh, you know, got to try to get just bust through it and get to the line. Well, apparently somewhere along the line, I had picked up another 4X. So I got black flagged as I was crossing the checkered. Lost a lap. Tony Brochette, P16. What a complete shit show. 24X held on for the last 80 laps with that 1X from a DNF. A-holes learn how to drive Martinsville. Tom, P19. Sunday open. Donnie, P6. Yeah, you know what? This was... This was exactly how Tony described it. Uh, we were in different races, obviously, Sunday, but yeah, with the P6, um, I know my strategy for the fall race. It's a shameful strategy, but I'm just riding in the back, halfway through the pack, or through the um, behind the pack, and I just let the carnage ensue in front of me. I think the winner of my race, he um, led every lap. He never pitted. Uh, he just stayed in front of everything, but it's a shame we have to drive that way. Either you're going to lead every lap, or you're going to survive David P15 yeah I made a few mistakes on my own on this one which probably put me in the wrong position but then <coughs> excuse me the last um, I'm coming to like the last two laps or so a, a guy that was a lap down and was ticked off just dove, dove, us, dove almost into a three wide and I bailed out in pos to, to avoid it and got loose in the process and it came home 15th, so it only cost me a few spots. No big deal. You know, before we leave Martinsville, Mike, this might have been the most angry I've heard everybody in the race. There was like actual some vile verbal confrontations. It was uncomfortable. I had, but uh, Martinsville brought the worst out in people this week, so that was exciting to hear. I get why some people like it now. It was it made the it made the pacing around somewhat enjoyable, I guess. Well, at this point, that's all you could do was was participate in the chatter, right? Because it was so 
it was nonstop cautious. Was it Friday or Sunday that I did some dramatic reading of a song? I had to mute that chat, by the way. When you it, did wasn't, that. it wasn't like <laughs> that. That's funny. I actually meant, yeah, I was, uh, I was reading Dance Monkey uh, as, it, as we were rolling around under caution. All right, Sunday fixed. I didn't have the stomach to run it with all the cautions, but Justin, I think you ran. Oh, yeah. No, I think it. No? Oh, sorry. My button wasn't working. I I got a P24, and it was actually my first race I DNF'd out of, actually. And, but it was only two laps to go, and I lost 32 um, points IR, so... It, I'm glad it's Talladega. <laughs> All right, let's talk Talladega. Wednesday open, Tony Rochette, P19. Racing felt different from plate racing in the past. Never seen the outside have such dominance. I usually just hang out on the bottom, but just keep getting my ass kicked. Even led a few laps. Uh, then the outside just ran a train on my ass and went first to 18th on the straightaway. Had a good run going on the white and the front wrecked and just killed me before the checker. Justin, P13. Yeah, um, I started qualified second. This was, I did an open race before and qualified second also. So that's been real consistent. Ran a solid race. We had two stops under green. And that was my first time actually running with the uh, with team because uh, I had you in there. Uh, and, Tyler and Tyler, yeah, and that's my first time working on a group pitting under green. I, I don't think I did the first stop right. I, I nailed the stop, but I got out too quick, and I was way ahead of you guys, and you shot off. Then the second one, I was too afraid to leave too early. Then I left too late, and so hopefully this one will go a little better. But it, all in all, it was a good race. All right, my race P five. Dang. I, I, uh, we were green the whole way for the longest time, and we pitted under green. The three of us were running up in the front with the front pack. We wait, so the leaders, top four, I believe, decided to pit on their own. We could have went with them, but I said, no, let's wait one more lap. And we did. And by the time the green flags shook out, they had a that group had a 10 second lead on us into the second pack. I have no idea how they got it 10 seconds on us. I the, obviously they pushed like heck. You know, the guy running second pushed them, and they were pushing when we weren't, and uh, they they built up a, a, a insurmountable lead. So I was really frustrated with that. But we did get a caution eventually, and uh, somehow, some way, I got back up to P5. Not what I wanted. McKenzie, P11. Yeah, um, I actually started pulling this race. I was running great. I was in the top five or six most of the race. Um, There's just guys in front of me kept wrecking, and I'd get damage here and there. And then we had one caution. I didn't think I got hit that hard. I only, but uh, I, at the restart, I just couldn't keep up. Went to the back, pitted, and I had four and a half minutes damage. I uh, came back out after another caution came out as I was fixing damage. I was only two laps down. Then uh, 
Got caught in another wreck and didn't realize how many incident points I had. Got a black flag for too many incident points, so I ended up finishing P11 down five laps. I think there was only actually five people who finished on the lead lap in that race. Oh. All right, David, P18. Yeah, I ran in the front for most of this. You know, we try to make moves every once in a while. Sometimes they pay off, sometimes they wouldn't. And in, in, in our splits with this package, sometimes the inside line's good, sometimes the outside line's good. It really depends on who's leading the line. And on the last restart, the inside line was awful. And I went from about third to 18th, 20th, then just got caught up in, in a mess. Um, I had like seven seven minutes of optional. I fixed a minute of that, and on the next restart, couldn't really keep up with the pack. There's another caution. Fixed another minute of damage and action on that last one. Could keep up with the pack, but they still had an, more carnage after the white flag. I got caught up in that and drove across the finish line with my uh, wheel turned 90 degrees. And I, and I remember Tony saying he could hear my, uh, my new uh, butt kicker rattling the microphone um and what i guess yeah i was p18 so ran well didn't finish good greg ran i don't know where he finished i don't think he finished um tyler yeah he was in our split he got a p20 he said lost the pack on my own simply getting a drink was the last car in the pack with teammates and just couldn't get back extremely frustrating race as strategy bit the big one finished with a meatball across the line with an 8x caught up in a mosh pit after the white i did have a great time racing with justin and mike wish we had more on that top line let's talk about that justin i mean we were at the back of a 10 or 12 car line that was all lined up on the bottom and the three of us would go high and i would try to push you and push you and push you and try to get something going on the outside and we just for the life of us we couldn't do nothing Oh, the, uh, the top line all race was the fastest and that we couldn't get up to lead and that lead guy in our pack just hugged that line and I think it just kind of stalled us out. Yeah, it was a frustrating race. Moving on to Thursday Open, uh, I ran uh, clean most of the race, ran the top five or top ten, got to the lead with about 25 to go. We finally get a, our first caution with seven to go. I'm leading on the next restart uh, with five to go on the bottom lane. Uh, there was basically two cars behind me trying to fight for the bottom lane. Uh, one of them kind of went almost below the yellow, uh, forcing the other guy up. So I'm kind of in front of both of them. And so anyway, I wasn't perfectly aligned with the guy that was on the bottom bottom. And he hooked me when he uh, hit, came up behind me. I turned down to the wall, 11 minutes damage. You know, I, I put up the video in the chat and tried to figure out, you know, what do I do different? I could have probably went a little bit lower to try to block that guy, but I wasn't sure what they were doing. And uh, yeah, it's, you know, when you're the leader at the end, you're almost a sitting duck, but it felt good to be in position to win. Donnie, you were in position to win. You, uh, uh, you qualified fourth, but P20. Yeah, it was uh, actually, it was a race. Uh, very few cautions. Ran up front, top four for the majority of the race, and I'm perfect. I'm fine with that. Just hanging around and not making any aggressive moves. Just seeing how the race unfolds. The only aggressive moves I make when I get shuffled to the lead. It's a weird thing to say. Oh my gosh, you got shuffled to the lead, but I don't want to be there. 
Uh, so I'd work my way back to like second, third or fourth, but uh, man, green flag pit stops with uh, on lap 80 with 14 to go. I uh, sped on pit road, something I rarely ever do if I ever have done that under competition. And um, yeah, I ended up finishing P20. I actually had a great run. We had a green white checkered and I was shooting the middle, had a really great run and then the bottom line wrecked and I probably would have, probably would have got a good top 10 recovery out of that, but the last lap crash got me. Right. Other racing I ran is IRO4 at Rudd's Coggin. I got wrecked out in turn one, lap one from behind, and then I couldn't even find pit road, so I rage quit. Dolara Dash at Michigan, wrecked out lap two. Gen 4 Daytona. I was just riding in the front uh, when somebody pushed up into the wall. I got a piece of it, 30 seconds required, 430 optional. Then I lost the pack after a restart. Saw the yellow come out. And I saw that one guy sitting sideways on the track as I approached. I'm like, I'm going to go underneath him and go on by because he was stopped. But as I was approaching, he all of a sudden decided to go. It looked like he was going to go high. So I went low and then he suddenly went low and then I ran over him. Gen 4 at Daytona again. I took the lead with about 20 to go with command of the race on the bottom front lane. The guy behind me was trying to push and turn me and we wrecked the entire field. I was damaged, was able to stay on the lead lap, uh, but with the carnage at the end, was able to drive through the wrecks and finish P13. Man, I thought I was going to win that one. Later, pickup cup at Phoenix, started 12th, got to 8th on the first lap, but faded to finish 9th. Pretty straightforward race. Then Gen 4 at California, top split with several pros and many heavy hitters. Started 24th, ended up 24th. Uh, yeah, that I sucked there. David, uh, no, I ran an A open, uh, qualified two, uh, stayed green. We had green flag stops, uh, stayed in the top five, top 10, but eventually with cautions, restarting third was 16 to go. I was on the bottom, got shuffled back to 17th. Uh, later got back up to ninth with eight to go, got to the lead pretty quick and kept it through the first green white checker but on the final restart my uh I w the first car on the outside coming the guy in third on the bottom pulls up in front of me to block he's too slow i ran into him we wrecked the field p13 right uh mckenzie b fixed p15 yeah uh, i started second i was running well but uh i think it's only a 30 lap race but on lap five, guys were trying to go three wide and be aggressive, and I got turned from a guy going on the outside not wanting to be there anymore. And I didn't get a lot of damage, but I just never ended up recovering from it. So I think I finished a lap down. Right, majors, TCR at Knock Hill, David, P26. Yeah, this was an interesting uh, setup. I did not feel super comfortable in this car or, well, I kind of got comfortable, but I didn't feel like I had great pace. Um, I qualified fairly far back in what was a snake split and did not finish high enough to make the top split in the second race. But there was an in the, the second race, the top six actually went on to be in the A main effectively. And I did score just on the bubble to make that and got to run that 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 race and i finished 26 which was near the back of the top split but it's 
it's majors. It's a lot of the really fast guys like Christian Chandler at the top, and it's it's tough competition. So I've I've got to I've got to be happy with the twenty sixth, even though it's a twenty. You know, it's it's mid pack, rear pack, but it was top split. Right. Let's jump to final thoughts then, David Hall. All right, I did order a new butt kicker. The one I had that had the really long arm broke. I ordered the giant one. Like it literally is the size of my hand. I showed a picture in chat. And I I've I've got it clamped on one way, but I'm not sure I'm gonna keep it that way because it's it's rotating and sometimes it feels like it it's it's changing the way it's vibrating. So I'm gonna try mounting it a couple of different ways, but it's definitely nice. I have the vo- the value turned down so much lower now. And uh it's powerful and I don't think, hopefully I think it has enough power that it will never overheat because I don't have to have it as loud to get the same feeling. It's big. It's like twice the size of a regular butt kicker. All right. Donnie Spiker, final thought. Yeah, not much. I uh, just enjoyed my time. I'm off work for the next week until I don't go back till May 2nd, but um, something I thought about and I always kind of bring it up, but i never really pay attention to it, but it's, it's IR and caring too much about it and prevents and that ends up preventing me from wanting to run other things that I've always wanted to run. So this week I bought the modified, always wanted to run it. Um, but I was like, I'm just going to get my butt kicked, lose I rating, whatnot. But it's a shame. You have to learn a car by, uh, and learn and learn the racing by giving up I rating. You don't have to, I guess you just be good, but uh, no, I enjoyed it. So I think I finally have to come to terms with who cares about I rating and just race what you want and have fun. Yeah. That's the way to roll. You know, I ran the uh, sprint car last week on pavement knowing I was handing over I-rating, but I did it anyway because I wanted to. So, yeah, you got to get that mindset. But you also got to understand, you know, if you're running a points championship, it could negatively affect you. Yeah, 100%. It will, it, and it does. Um, I can't get above 2,300 because I race other crap. So I'm usually mid-split when it comes to NIS. All right, Justin Pearson, final thought. Uh, just, um, just kind of excited for Talladega. Like I said earlier in the podcast, I'm glad Martinsville is over with and just try to do little by little. We get better each time, each week. Very good. Mackenzie Stevens, final thought. Yeah, uh, I didn't get to race Martinsville last week. I thought I was going to on Sunday, but something came up. We didn't end up getting to run it. But, uh, I always seem to be able to qualify well on these plate races. I got the pole on Wednesday there, and I'm pretty sure Atlanta I had two poles, but I just can't seem to get a good run and stay in the top at least five for it. So hopefully I can have another chance at it here. I think Friday I'm going to run, so hopefully I can get a better finish. Keep knocking on the door. Yeah, my final thoughts. Uh, yeah, Talladega it should be a win for me, man. But I've been knocking on the door every race. I'm always leading laps. I'm always in position where I should be. But it's all about luck. I mean, a lot of it is luck at Talladega. Not getting involved and picking the right line. Getting on the outside on the last restart instead of the inside could make or break a win. And so I'm just trying to get that luck to line up and tomorrow night is going to be it i hope and get my 93rd career win i hope and with that hey we'll see you on the track later
Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.